Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we chat to Mel Reed and discuss John Rahm's COVID withdrawal as well as the US Women's Open. It's Brooks Kepka. I just wanted to welcome you guys to the Golf Monthly Podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf. Trusted by US Women's Open champion Yuka Sasso, Memorial winner Patrick Cantlay, and Porsche European Open champion Marcus Armitage. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark, and as ever, I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hi, Tom. Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, the first question for you is, have you sobered up after your golf weekend? Yeah, fully sober. Uh, got a bit of sunburn, had a bit of booze. Uh, yeah, really good golf weekend at the Abbey Hotel. Um, <laughs> lots to talk about, actually, yeah. Go on. What happened? So it was year two of the Resin Cup, and unfortunately I was on the losing team. Uh, I lost my match on Sunday played my mate who's off 36 so I had to give him 32 shots uh I was two down after eight and then I played the rest of the match in level par and I lost five and three (laughs) (laughs) brilliant so your mate played all right then uh yeah he did he shot two under his handicap for 36 so uh yeah he he was very excited about that but what yeah just a, a massive bandit he just kept parring holes he parred stroke index one he had four pars and like three bogeys or something. So stroke index one, I would have needed to get a hole in one on a 440-yard par four to win the hole. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> to be fair, if he's only shot two under his handicap, it's not make doesn't make him a massive bandit, does it? I mean, it just means you've got he's going to need to get cut, doesn't it? Yeah, he didn't have many blobs though. Lots of lots of like doubles. So yeah, very difficult to play against, but a uh, brilliant venue. I'd recommend it to anyone, actually. I'd never heard of it. The Abbey Hotel, it's in Redditch, just south of Birmingham. I paid full price to go there. It's not an ad. And the 18th hole, it's a brilliant short path for probably only like 280 yards, but you've got a ditch to carry or lay up to, which you've got to lay up, basically. Um, or you can go for the green and there's a pond right, there's out of bounds right, there's a massive bunker left. Um, but a few of few of us went for the green with driver. I did on the first day and just completely messed it up. And then after that, you've got a massive hill and then you've got the terrace. So um, you can imagine a bunch of lads. And actually, there was a, a hen do there who'd been at, at the spa all day. Uh, after quite a few drinks, basically jeering golfers down on the green as they uh, approached the green. So if you were at the Abbey Hotel all weekend and you got jeered, clapped, booed, um, it would have been one of our party, I think. It sounds, uh, it sounds like a rabble, to be honest with you, Elliot. Uh, that sounds like a fun. To be fair, 280-yard power four, that's a driver seven iron for you, isn't it? Uh, it was, it's like five iron and a 60 degree or a driver sliced into the rubbish and, and an easy blob. So, yeah, good risk-reward hole. Oh, nice. Well, it's nice to hear about people going out and enjoying themselves and having fun. So uh, uh, I'm sure there's lots of other people out there looking forward to having more golf weekends and the like over uh, the next few months. I'm sure there's some people who are, who may be in Portugal or who were going to travel out to Portugal. I think Nick Bonfield in the office, he was going to go to Portugal on Friday. I think that's been canned because of the different changes. So, um, yeah, check out the, the UK uh, or wherever you are, your, your local uh, golf establishment, because there are some great ones out there, and there's some unknown ones as well, which you don't, you may not know about. But as long as you're away with your mates, you can usually have a good laugh, can't you? So that sounds great. Uh, and and you talk about your handicaps there, and you mate playing off 36. So obviously, there's a new handicap program being announced by England Golf, uh, hasn't there? Where people who are not members of a golf club can now get an official handicap and this is going to be a game changer for a lot of people aren't they who obviously maybe can't afford to be a member of a golf club or, or don't have the time to to do it and now they can actually get a proper handicap and instead of 
you moaning, calling him a bandit. You go, actually, no, actually, I've got my own official handicap, same as you, so stop moaning. <laughs> no, that was his official handicap, unbelievably. He'd only played three rounds, though, so it wasn't like mine, which is based on like 20-odd rounds or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's coming in July in, in England. It's going to be £40 a year, an official handicap index. Um, yeah, I don't know, to be honest with you, if anybody isn't a member of a golf club anymore, because it seems like they're all full at the moment. But uh, I'm sure there's hundreds of thousands of golfers that, that would like to make use of that. And it, it's a, a great scheme. Uh, coming out in Scotland as well, that that, um, that was announced as well. It's on our website. So, uh, yeah, the game is thriving at the moment. Well, I'm one of those people who are not a member of a golf club. And I, I am very much looking forward to uh, to signing up and um, and taking advantage of everything with the offer. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'll keep you up to date. And you can stop moaning about my handicap. You would say my handicap's too low. You're yeah, about, you're about, well, I'm, I'm, apparently I'm the only golfer in the world who playing off too good a handicap or, you know, or not generous enough handicap, I should say. Even though I think I beat you the last time I played golf. Oh, actually, did I? When did, how did we play at Essendon? Uh, we were on the same team, Tom. I know, but I don't know how, how we would have done fared individually against each other. No, but, not yeah, sure. Um... But yeah, the last so, time we played individually, which was a long time ago, you know, that was just before Christmas. Uh, I think I won that, didn't I? So put that put that in your pipe and smoke it, uh, as I would say. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to having it. I'm, you know, I've I've never had my own official handicap, so this is gonna this is something really to to know to look forward to uh, and to work towards as well. So uh, I think it's gonna be a game changer. I think it's really good for the game of golf. I think it's fantastic. Makes it more open to people. And um, yeah, it should be great. I think it should be fantastic. So uh, sounds really good. So we've got a lot to chat about today. We've got three tournaments to look back on. We've got a couple to look forward to as well. But before we get into any of that, we're going to listen to Mel Reed and Golf Mumpy's Andy Wright chatted to Mel a couple of weeks back and talked to her about a new clothing line with Elise uh, playing on the LPGA Tour and the PGA Tour Player Impact Programme. So. Here is Mel Reed. Okay, so joined by LPGA Tour player Mel Reed, who has recently signed a one-year extension with clothing partner LS and launched a new clothing range. So we'll just kick things off there. Just firstly, how much fun uh, has it been working with them, and is it cool to have an input in the design process for something like this? Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I think that. You know, for women's golf clothing, there isn't a huge market. I think that, you know, when Aless got in touch with me a, a couple of years ago, like I thought it was a great opportunity, um, especially when they said, like, we would love you to have some input in the design. Um, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just it's kind of I'm, I'm really proud of the the even like the development that they've had over the couple of years with a little bit of my input. But honestly, like it's mainly like the ideas that they come to me with. Um, I just basically tell them what I know that you know, women golfers or girls that play on tour, you know, like they're close to look like, like they're close to fit and from a performance perspective as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think they've done a great job. And like I said, I, I wish that more companies did, you know, really nice and good looking kind of golf wear for women because there's there's not enough companies that do that. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, so is it more a case of they come to you with designs rather than, or is it like a kind of collaborative effort on on what the, the end product is? Um, like, I'd be like, hey, I really think that you should bring in, like, for example, like golf hoodies is probably the easiest example. And they were like, okay, cool. So they'll send me like four or five designs. And I'm like, uh, well, this, you know, you need to move that zip because when we play golf, like that has that effect on our backswing or that can, you know, the neck needs to be a little bit lower and, and things like that. And then they come to me with a, a combination of kind of their, their kind of um you know color for their collection piece whether it be spring you know spring and summer or autumn winter and that's kind of like how we then you know we just get a bunch of ideas and then we finally come up with the final product so yeah i mean i'm really excited about um you know especially the line that just dropped i think that it's it's the best line that they've done so far and um yeah i'm just very excited to to kind of wear it and showcase it a little bit this year yeah and uh you kind of touched on it with your, the first question. What are the sort of things that like, you prioritise with stuff you want to wear and then kind of generally 
know the other girls on tour like what what are they kind of not getting that that, that they look for um i think there's kind of three big things obviously i think that number one is feeling good i think that if you feel good you're gonna play good like that's just something that i've always my motto has always been uh with clothing i think obviously a performance point of view um you know it has to keep you warm or it has to keep you cool or it has to be able to stretch when you you know you swing in a golf club and also i think fit i think that the way a lot of women's uh collections fit don't necessarily fit uh kind of like the athletic woman very well i think that it it fits the 50 year old you know country club woman extremely well but you know when somebody kind of young or coming into or just starting golf i just don't i don't i can see why it's not very appealing to them for the kind of golf collection that's already out there in golf shops and pro shops and so i think that that's what Aless has done really well is they kind of you know when i first had a meeting with them i said look if you design clothes that fit really well like fit in the right places and i feel like you can play golf and then literally go and meet friends in a pub and they don't really realize that you play golf that's the ultimate goal for you guys and for me um like i hate wearing clothes that look like i've been on the golf course like i would rather you know which is why which is why i think that they're doing a really good job in the women's space in the women's clothing space because um you know i feel like they tick all three of them boxes yeah that's good to hear so just uh, for those listening is there maybe one item in particular from the newest range that you're most excited about they're bringing out, well, yeah, they're bringing out golf joggers. Um, I'm very excited about that. It's something that I've been pushing for like a year now. Um, and also, obviously, the golf hoodie. I'm pretty excited about that. Like, I love playing in hoodies. And, yeah, I just think I just think that they look really good, basically. I just say I'm just excited to kind of, you know, wear them, you know, see how they perform in, in different kind of weather conditions. But, yeah, they're probably the two pieces that I'm most excited about is the joggers and... Uh, and um the hoodie yeah sounds good i uh, look forward to seeing them um okay we'll just get into some golf maybe just start off with some background just kind of discuss how you first got into the game like what it was you liked about it and kind of what made you want to pursue it as a career um yes yeah, so yeah. i played football uh, i used to play for derby county academy and then um i couldn't play football with derby county academy anymore with the boys so i took up uh, golf purely because a lot of my friends that I played football with played at the local golf club that we kind of grew up in the village that we kind of grew up at and so I just got hooked pretty straight away and the reason I got hooked honestly was because all my mates were playing and I just found it really really fun we had a great kind of junior section at Chewing Golf Club back then um, parents would drop me off at 7 30 in the morning and put me up at 8 p.m you know in the summer holidays and so yeah I mean I got I got obviously when you start playing you get you improve extremely quickly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I got to, like, scratch at 15 years old, and it was kind of at that point I was like, okay, I kind of want to take this a bit more seriously and, and see how far I can take this thing because I just, I just loved it. Like, I just fell in love with every aspect of golf and, you know, still love every aspect of golf. So that's kind of how I got into it, and that's how, you know, I, I kind of then pursued to, to try and be the best golfer I could be. Yeah, so you, you had the bug. Big time. Uh, as we all get it, yeah. I was saying this earlier. We all get the bug at some yeah. point. Yeah, it kind of dips, kind of peaks and troughs. Yeah. With it, but yeah, it's always there. Obviously, you had a, a pretty good amateur career, and that obviously included winning the low amateur at St Andrews. Just have you got any standout memories from from that week? Uh, my dad was heading for me. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I think I had that that week. I had something like seven or eight three putts. So I felt like I could have done a little bit better. But uh, yeah, I mean, and also like the, you know, Lorena Ochoa won it that year. And I was a huge Lorena Ochoa fan. And just sitting there waiting kind of to just before the ceremony was was a pretty cool moment. Just sat chatting to her. And she's one of the nicest human beings on the planet. I mean, she's such a an amazing champion. So, um, yeah, just having my whole family there, my dad on the bag and and just playing well. And, you know, getting to just have a chat with Lorena was it was just a really, really cool week. Do you, do you look back at that, like the, the three parts and think, God, I could have got close to winning that? Not really, because I feel like Lorena would have just turned up another gear and <laughs> yeah. embarrassed me. So, But yeah, I mean, it would. you can always look back, but I also probably hold, you know, you kind of look at just the three parts, but I'm, I'm sure I hold a lot of really long parts and got really lucky on a few shots. So it kind of, it all balances out itself yeah. out, actually. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. 
Um, obviously, turned pro. I don't think it was too long after that. And since we've gone on to achieve quite a lot, seven pro wins, three Solheim Cups, one win at the Solheim Cup. I'm just wondering, obviously, still got plenty of time on your side. What are the what are the kind of goals you've got for the rest of your career? Um, I actually want to be playing the best golf of my career right now. So, yeah, I mean, as long as I can stay fit and healthy, which I think that I do a pretty good job at. Um, yeah, I mean, I still feel like I'm ready. I still feel young, like I'm 33. Uh, that's not old. I think that it, it just seems old in the women's game because I feel like, uh, you know, the women's tour is obviously, I, I personally think it's on average a lot, lot younger than the men. Um, you know, we don't have many like 48-year-olds that are still competing like, you know, Henrik Stenson, Lee Westwood, you know, um, Justin Rose and all these guys. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I honestly still feel like my best years are ahead of me. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited for the future and We'll see. Yeah, I'll keep playing until they kick me off. So or until I want to be kicked off. So we'll just see where it, where it goes. But yeah, I mean, obviously a big year this year being Olympics. That's something that's always kind of been on the back of my mind the last whenever since whenever they announced it, you know, eight years ago or whatever it was. So um, yeah, there's just a lot of exciting things coming up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I've heard you speak about in the past that basically your main weakness is just that you struggle with confidence and maybe overthinking on the course obviously a great win last year at the the ShopRite classic for your your first lpga win i'm just wondering what the what the keys were to that performance was it just a was it purely just a confidence thing funny i got asked this the other day like you know did you play any better than any other week and i was like i've played better than i did at ShopRite in other weeks and finished 20th um you know sometimes it's just your week and you get a little bit of breaks here and there but i was just because i kind of felt like i'd I'd thrown away a little bit the Portland win and I'm not, not taking anything off Georgia at all. Like she, she obviously had a great win there, but I, I felt like I did give it away a little bit. Um, I felt like it was mine to lose. Um, I was just more de determined. I was like, there's no way that someone's going to have to shoot a ridiculously low score to beat me this week because I'm going to get it to like, you know, 20, 21, 22 under. So someone shoots 27 under fair play, but, um, you know, I'm going to do my absolute best to, to make sure no one beats me this week. And it was just honestly just determination to prove to myself that, you know, when I get in that position again, and, and I played like well consistently for like three or four weeks. And so you just get a little bit more comfortable being in the final groups and being in contention. Like it's just a lot more comfortable. But yeah, I mean, that's honestly probably all it was, was just a determination, a little bit more comfortable being in that position. Cool. Obviously you've played both ladies european tour and now the lpga for a few seasons just wondering what the what the main differences are between the two i think it's a huge difference i think that um when i first came out in europe it was i think it was the best place to start your career to then filter into the lpga and you know you come back and play there were still so many events in europe that it was so easy to schedule and come back even though you were full-time in the lpga um i think that I mean, the easiest, the easiest answer to that is the money, is the prize money and the opportunities to play. But also the strength and depth on the LPGA is pretty incredible. Like, I don't think people give it enough credit um, how incredible these girls are and how talented and how hardworking and dedicated and just basically how good they are. Like, it's just tough out there. Um, you know, and I, and I feel like, obviously, with the money and the amount of tournaments you play in Europe, like it's, there's just not, there's never going to be that strength and depth there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's the ultimate difference. Um, but yeah, I mean, I certainly think that Europe is now with a little bit of help and, you know, they're starting to kind of get back on the rise again. I do feel like it's, it's going to be another good place to start your career again, which, you know, excites me because that's I wish that the girls you know had that opportunity like I had when I started because it was just a great kind of platform for me and it's a great learning experience to play in Europe before going on the big stage on the LPGA yeah I definitely kind of noticed that as well it does seem to be a small trend in the women's game which is obviously brilliant and then just looking forward to the schedule you've obviously got some kind of brilliant venues coming up you've got Olympic Club uh, for the US Open for the first time you've got Day for the Women's Open for the first time. It was obviously at Trun last year for the first time, and then it'll be at Muirfield next year. Just kind of uh, how good is it to play courses like that, like of that calibre, um, from a 
kind of personal perspective and then in terms of kind of helping to, to grow the women's game even further? We watch men's golf and, you know, we want to play these, you know, these big golf courses. Like, I think KPMG, you know, our KPMG do a great job at putting us on great golf courses. They kind of, they honestly were the start before like the US Opens and the British Opens for us, in my opinion, because they were so consistent with it. Like we've, we've played great golf courses every single year at KPMG. British Open, like we obviously play St. Andrews. We have played Carnoustie before. Oh, have you? Oh, okay. Yeah, like back in like 2010 or something, I'm sure. Oh, no. 2011 or something, yeah. Um, you know, but playing Troon last year was unreal. Like playing Turnbury, unreal. Like we want to play these golf courses. And so it's just, it's, and like obviously with the US Open, Olympic, can't wait to play that. Like we've got Pebble Beach on the rotor. Like we want to play these golf courses and, you know, seeing the men play it and, that the actual rotation that we've got now, like in our major championships, it's actually really, really exciting. Like the golf courses that we're going to get to play. So yeah, I mean, I'm just honestly like the girls. All the girls talk about is you know like the lead up to like a US Open. Like when we play the match play in Vegas at, in a couple of weeks, like girls will be all they'll be talking about is Olympic Club. Like they're just like, oh my god, I can't wait to play Olympic Club. Like you know, girls have gone early and gone. It's unreal. Like it's so much fun. So yeah, it's it's really cool for us, and you know. It's nice to see that that trend is definitely moving, and all the needle is moving in the right direction with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That'll be that'll be great to see. Next one, I just wondered if you saw the uh, Jay Monahan PGA Tour commissioners he made a couple of comments last week about said the TV revenue split with the big kind of golf, golf channel NBC deal. I think his words were north of ninety five percent in favour of the PGA Tour, and then he also mm-hmm. kind of struggled to name like a top female-ranked player when kind of questioned on it. I'm just kind of wondering how you react when you hear stuff like that. I'm not surprised. Like, I know Jay. I've done a panel with him recently. Uh, I think he's a really good guy. Um, You know, but his job is the PJ Tour. It's not the LPGA. So I do wish that the LPGA and the PJ Tour would work a little bit more aligned, um, a little bit closely together. But no, that doesn't surprise me at all, to be honest. Like... You know, we did a panel and, you know, I said a couple of things that he was kind of shocked out in the women's game. So, you know, his job is to run the PGA Tour, it's not to run the LPGA. But I wish that, like I said, that, you know, I don't know, I just, I, I do wish, like, and I think that it might happen, in the, like, hopefully happen in the future, that it, they are just a little bit more, you know, aligned in what they're trying to do. I think it would honestly actually help both tours, not just the LPGA. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But yeah, that doesn't that doesn't really shock me, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and then, obviously, the PGA Tour recently kind of revealed their player impact program, which obviously gives out forty million to the ten most influential players, kind of off the course. Just wondering your thoughts on that, and maybe if you'd like to see something like that in the women's game, or if you're more in favour of just having it based purely on performance on the course i don't know i just <laughs> uh i don't really i just yeah i just think it i just don't understand i just don't understand like i don't know why they need to do that if i'm completely honest um yeah i mean i don't i don't know like i just think i just think these boys get so much money anyway to like drop in another 40 million to me is just like i just feel they could use that money a lot better in like grassroots golf or developing the game or you know helping like minority foundations like trying to get you know kids into the game of golf and yeah I just feel like the money could be a lot better spent so we'll see where that goes but yeah typical you know more money for the guys there we go yeah yeah definitely anyway I know you've got a busy day so I'll let you go on that note but um thanks a lot for for the time and thanks again to yeah, and thanks to Aless and American Golf for uh, for setting this up and obviously best of luck for the rest of the season. I appreciate it. Thank you. So there was Mel Ree talking to our very own Andy Wright and she had a few things to say there, didn't she? Especially about the PJ Tour Player Impact Programme and she thinks that they could really use that money to do a lot better, doesn't she? Yeah, of course. $40 million going to a bunch of very, very rich blokes. Yeah, there's always better stuff you can do with it, isn't there? But, you know, this is a capitalist world, I guess, and it's business. But 
the reason that the PGA Tour have done that is to defend off the Premier Golf League, who it does sound like they're coming back. Uh, and we'll know more about that this week. So I'm sure we'll talk about that on next week's podcast. But uh, yeah, Mel is, is one of the best voices in the women's game, uh, really sticks up for the women's game. And, and she said there as well that it's just not appreciated how good the girls are on the LPGA Tour. And, and I thought we saw that at the weekend at the US Women's Open. It was a very tricky course and we saw some fantastic golf. So, uh, yeah, she's definitely right about that. Yeah, and I think she's absolutely right. I think we're all a bit disgusted by more money getting thrown at more money. Um, I don't know whether it's got something to do with, uh, you know, some of the things that we've seen on social media recently, uh, especially between uh, Bryson and Brooks. I do wonder if they're trying to get a few more headlines now. And um, I wonder if it's going to cause some issues, to be honest with you, because it's all very well having this pantomime uh, kind of battle between two golfers. But I do wonder whether they're just putting it on to try and make some more money. I don't know. But um, we'll have to look at things uh, and see what happens at the end of the end of the year and who takes home the another wheelbarrow load of money to be honest with you so um i think she's got a lot to talk about and very fair 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 comments there from from el reed who who actually had quite a good start to the u.s women's open um i think she was leading just after the first round so um this did really well. And let's start by looking back at the US Women's Open, where Lexi Thompson squandered a five-shot lead over the last 10 holes at the Olympic Club to miss out on her second major title. Lexi finished bogey-bogey to come up one short of the playoff. In the playoff, 19-year-old Yuka Sasso defeated Nasa Hatoka to become the Philippines' first ever major champion. And it's quite the feat, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't realise how young she was actually until after the event and she just looks an, an unbelievable talent, sort of in that Lydia Co mould where they're just winning majors in their teens is, is incredible. And um, Nasa Hatoka as well is a fantastic golfer and she was a, a team star as well and she's now 23. So like Mel was saying, actually, there is such a young game for the women. And yes, yeah, she's just got a gorgeous swing. She's, uh, she said how she stays up at night watching Rory McIlroy swing and if you saw the the, uh, the videos on social media this week, you'll see just how similar their swings are. I think McElroy is a big fan of hers and um, great for the Philippines to get a major winner because uh, not really a, a golfing country, you'd have to say, is it? No, it's not somewhere that you'd you'd um, think of as a, a golfing hotspot. But uh, I thought R- Rory was obviously came out and said, well, he goes, it's brilliant that this has happened. And he, I think he said it was a privilege that he, he you know, he's really glad that he's inspired someone to, to get better. But he said now people will stop watching videos of him and they'll start watching videos of her swing, which I think is brilliant. And now it's a chance for her to, to really inspire the next generation as well. It's really, it's really good to see. Um, it was also, I, I know Lexi Thompson will be gutted. She, she, I, you know, the uh, she says she just it's very hard for her to smile after what happened. You know, it was there for the taking, really. I know it's a very, very tricky course where there's there's a lot of bogeys out there. Um, but it, I, I was quite glad to see her just up the top of the, the leaderboard again. She hasn't really had that that good a year or the last couple of years, I'd say. So I think it's just good to see her, you know, come to the to the top of the field really again. Yeah, fantastic to see her back. I think her last major win was seven years ago in 2014 could be wrong but it was uh, i know she won the a and inspiration uh yeah she's going to take some confidence hopefully going into the, the majors coming up but it was just a, a real collapse from her unfortunately she she made a double early on in the back nine which is acceptable but um the bogey on on the par 517th was very poor and then the the 18th she had about 100 yards in from the middle of the fairway and, and made bogey so no excuses there for a professional golfer you've, you've got to say it was really poor um she hasn't really come out and said much because her press conference got cut short because she was basically in tears uh, i don't know if she was nervous or just completely choked but yeah it was really sad to see because i was getting really excited about seeing lexi winning the us open it would have been fantastic to see an american win her her national open but yeah it just wasn't meant to be yeah and i think we've got to remember there's so much pressure in in this game you know there's nowhere to hide in golf is there you know you've got to get it done and the pressure obviously did did affect uh thompson um uh, over those that closing back nine so um you know very unfortunate that it's so close to getting to the playoff as well so um but let's you know let's hope that she her game's in a really good place and she moves forward from that and obviously she will be over 
uh, on this uh, side of the Atlantic as well. There, she's um, competing in the Aramco Team Series, isn't she? Which is taking place at the Centurion Golf Club um, uh, early July, isn't she? Yeah, it'd be fantastic to see her over here. That's going to be a massive event, and then we've got the uh, the Women's Open as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a really exciting stretch for women's golf. Solheim Cup as well, of course. So just a, a packed year. Um, when I was watching the US Open, there was just so many big names up there, and I was just thinking, what a fantastic place the women's games in. Like even Paula Creamer was up there. It's fantastic to see her back. You know, I'm a big fan of Paula's, um, but. Yeah, Inby Park, Sophia Popov, Lexi Thompson, Lydia Ko, Minji Lee. There's just so many big names that are playing well at the moment and sort of in their primes of their career. So, uh, yeah, I just think it's in a fantastic place right now. Yeah, and I think there's, a, especially this side of the Atlantic, as I said, there's going to be opportunities for people to hopefully go out and actually see and, uh, and cheer, cheer these talented athletes on as well. So if you do get the chance to, maybe you've got a, a, a daughter who wants to maybe get into golf or something like that, or wants to maybe try and inspire them to get involved. I think these are, there's some great opportunities to get out there and see these fantastic players. So uh, do uh, check out the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com, for all the latest on everything around the tour, including the women's game. And uh, we'll be, I'm sure, pushing those events and uh, making sure people know when they're on and if you can go and go and see them. There was a huge story uh, at the weekend at the Memorial where Saturday night, I was very interested because I had money on John Rahm because he was tipped by, God probably tips to Jeremy Chapman. And John Rahm was six shots clear. And I was thinking, happy days. This is going to be uh, finally his first win of the year for the Spaniard. And uh, he's gonna, it's going to be a procession on Sunday. But as soon as he'd finished his round, and quite literally, as soon as he'd finished his round on Saturday night, he was informed by the officials that he had tested positive for COVID-19 and he was going to have to withdraw. So he went from being a six-stroke leader to uh, withdrawing, which obviously was a huge blow to him. Loss of world ranking points, loss of uh, quite a big winner's check as well. Uh, and that allowed Patrick Cantlay to come through the field and beat Colin Morikawa in a playoff on Sunday evening to win the title for the second time. It was Cantley's fourth PJ Tour title, and he now moves back into the Welsh Top 10 in seventh. It was quite the, quite the dramatic weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty uh, disgusting, actually, I think, what happened on Saturday, the way that they informed Ram as soon as he'd got off of the, the golf course. There was just absolutely no need for that. Because no. then, then we saw that clip circulating all across the internet, whereas it just could have been handled so much better. There could have just been a statement an hour later saying saying what had happened. Um, yeah, it was a really bad look for the PGA Tour. And, and also, I think he got in a buggy as well with somebody who wasn't wearing a mask. And the fans were really close up to everyone. And it just didn't look good, especially when we've seen how good the European Tour have been during this pandemic and how... Um, safe they've been, I guess, and, and the, the protocols that they put in place. It's just not a fantastic look for the PJ Tour. And uh, you had to feel really sorry for John Rahm there, finding out in that way. Yeah, I mean, what what were they playing at on Saturday? I mean, what were they doing? It's it's not hard. you know. This, I mean, also, when did they find out? That was the thing that was getting to me. When did they find out? They didn't just find out on the 18th hole, did they? No. They must have found out several holes before that. So why was he allowed to finish his round of golf when he's playing with people? He was near fans. I mean, what that, what on earth was going on? It, I just, it's just, I just don't know what. I, it just seems very odd. What was what happened? And why then just tell him straight away? If it looked, if, do you know what it felt like? It felt like when uh, DJ got told that he'd uh, grounded his um, club in the bunker at Whistling Straits. Do you remember that? And he got told yeah. in front of uh, who was he playing with then? Um, Nick Watney. It, it, it felt like that, but it was a completely different circumstance. So, um, yeah, it, it was just very odd. I felt very, so, I felt very sorry for Ram because he'd been he was playing superbly, and obviously he didn't feel ill at all. Um, but it's one of those things, you know. And you don't have to feel ill. That's not the danger. The danger is obviously spreading the disease uh, to to other people who who may be more vulnerable than yourself. So, no, it's very very frustrating, I'm sure, for him. But um, so let, let's look at the positive side. Can't they? Who's struggled a bit this year hasn't really been in contention but he looked you know he looks again the danger player that he really is didn't he yeah I didn't really pay much attention to this event 
actually, because it was going on at the exact same time as the US Women's Open, pretty much finishing within like 20 minutes of each other. Just awful scheduling from the USGA and, and the PGA Tour. Like, then I know we say this all the time, but there needs to be something done about it because um, I don't know, you just wouldn't have two great products up against each other, would you? But yeah, Cantley is a fantastic golfer, obviously, former amateur world number one had some troubles in his career and he's been a, a sort of stable of the world's top 10 now. So, um, yeah, I really like him and, and definitely can go on and win majors, but unfortunately an event like the Memorial deserves to be sort of front and center. And it just wasn't because it was put up right against the U S women's open on a fantastic golf course with an amazing field. So, um, there was only one winner there for me. Yeah, look at Cantley's had a, an odd year where he, he um, started off really well, finished second at the American Express, finished third at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and then has not, has kind of had a bit of a struggle. He's, if you look back, he missed three cuts in a row, the Masters, RBC Heritage, and then the Wells Fargo. And then he was 23rd at the PJ, and then suddenly he's won. So um, it's strange how these guys can can be out of form and then suddenly get back into it i mean he's a very good player he's he, he, if i'm honest with you he's not my favorite player to watch i find him a bit slow and a bit a bit laborious to watch i don't know about you elliot yeah he's got yeah he's got a very slow demeanor about him hasn't he? he gets quite a bit of criticism online but uh you just got respect him for what he is and that's just one of the world's best golfers um it's actually quite surprising that he's only won four times now but uh, he has had injuries and, and personal problems, so uh, I'm sure there's there's a lot to come. But um, yeah, he's he's got nothing flashy about him, really, is there? No, and he's just a solid golfer. He's a very solid golfer, very you know solid all round game. Uh, you know, tee to green and, and, and short game as well. You know, he's he's he doesn't rely on one strength. He, he's an all rounder. So um, uh, no, congratulations to him. Maura Carroll as well will be disappointed, but obviously he's still. I mean, he's world number four now. Uh, still doesn't get the uh, recognition he he deserves, in my my opinion. He's that's his third top ten in his last four events. Um, he obviously was defending the PGA just a couple of weeks ago as well. He's a, he's a very impressive golfer, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Um, good result for him, really. He'd obviously, be disappointed, but just yeah, continues racking up world ranking points, money. Uh, going to be at the Olympics as well now. I think he's second in their their rankings as well. So, yeah, we'll see him at the Ryder Cup. Maybe up against Victor Hovland. How good would that be? That the sort of class of twenty nineteen. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, he's a, he's an incredible talent. Um, uh, one of the best golfers on the planet. No, no doubt about that. Six top tens from twelve starts he's had this year. Uh, very, very impressive uh, golfer. Um, and someone who's slightly different than Colin Morikawa and Patrick Cantlay is Marcus Armitage, who's a bit of a character on the European tour. Uh, and he was very emotional on Monday afternoon when he won his maiden European tour title in Germany at the Porsche European Open after a quite sensational final round of 65 at the Green Eagle course. He finished two clear of Thomas Detry, Eduardo Molinari, Matthew Southgate and Darius Vandrail. Uh, and Armitage qualifies for his first ever US Open next week and now is up to a career high of 121 in the world. And he is one of those guys where it's just impossible not to like him, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'll go as far as saying he's an absolute legend, honestly. Journey he's been through. I remember hearing him on the No Laying Up podcast uh, last month, actually. I recommend people listen to that. It was just incredible he's he's just like the guy you would meet at the pub or something he's been um through tragedy losing his mum then he's been through difficult times getting in with the wrong crowds the people that he lives with at home um, i think are into drugs and stuff and he's had drug problems himself and he's just so honest about it and then from sleeping in a tent at the euro pro tour to getting um robert rock to pay for his flight out to south africa where he then finished third to to earn his card and just an incredible journey he's been on um and he just seems like a great human that's been through tough times and and yesterday he just achieved his dream so it was just yeah amazing to see it's quite emotional watching him in that post-round interview and you just have to to um smile because it's one of the best stories of the year yeah and he, and he 
he's a character. He's he's a very likable character when you see him on on screen. I don't know if you saw the uh, the challenge he did. I think for the European Tour, where he's trying to hit a golf ball into a <laughs> into a speeding car. Very funny. If you if you check out their their social media, um, it was very funny. He celebrated by taking his top off and swinging it around his head, basically. But his golf really spoke for him on Monday. Firstly, we've already touched on it. Is really I'm really enjoying watching golf during the midweek. You know, I'm lucky. I got a TV in my office. I obviously cover golf anyway. But um, I've really enjoyed a couple of times where the golf's tournaments have come to an end during midweek and you can really actually i think they get a lot of eyeballs on them um because there's no other sport on there's you know it's it's getting all the attention and his golf was spectacular i mean shot 65 that could have been a 61 couldn't it 60 because he didn't really take advantage of the last three par fives at the course because uh, i think he was starting to get a little bit twitchy on it so um i thought his his golf was just exceptional he held every putt for the first 14 holes so uh yeah really really good to see and that i mean this changes his life doesn't it It gives him so many different opportunities now doesn't it in his career yeah and, and financially as well he's really struggled with money had credit card issues so i don't know what the prize money was actually probably i don't know best part of two three hundred grand he's won and that will set him up for it for a long time probably buy a house with that mortgage free i don't know but um yeah that was like if it if there was a Marcus Armitage movie, that would be like one of the final scenes, wouldn't it? That's what his whole life has been working towards. Like you were saying, every single putt seemed like it was going dead centre in the hole. And it was just the, the perfect round for him. So, yeah, just a really special story that, that you don't get to see very often. Yeah, and as you say, he's up to his highest world ranking, 121. But more than that, it's opened a few doors to him some, to some of those bigger tournaments. Uh, and if you get into those bigger tournaments, you only need the odd good performance in that you know a few made cuts and suddenly you're well inside the world's top 100 so um good luck to him i think from from everyone at golf monthly and uh let's hope he continues to perform at the level which he obviously showed he can do now it's time to talk about our sponsor Tightlist. first up yuka sasso trusted the new pro v1 golf ball to make history and claim a maiden major victory at the olympic club this weekend becoming the first golfer from the philippines to win a major championship and tying the record for the youngest ever u.s women's open champion sasso's stunning display was replicated by Titleist brand ambassador patrick cantley he relied on a full bag of Titleist equipment including the new phantom x5 putter to secure his fourth pj tour win and second memorial tournament victory in two years and that wasn't Titleist's only success in Murfield Village, as the number one brand in golf also swept the equipment categories in Ohio, topping the golf ball, driver, fairway, hybrid, utility iron, iron, wedge and putter counts for the second week running on the PJ Tour. Finally, in a late Monday finish on the European Tour, Marcus Armitage placed his trust in the Titleist Pro V1X golf ball as he posted an amazing final round 65 to claim his maiden tour title at the Porsche European Open. To find out more about Titleist's fantastic product lineup in 2021, head to uk. So, looking ahead to this week, we have the Palmetto Championship at Congaree. Congaree Golf Club in South Carolina hosts the event as a late replacement for the RBC Canadian Open. World number one, Dustin Johnson headlines the event in his home state along with Brooks Kepka and the English contingent of Till Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Matt Fitzpatrick and Ian Poulter. John Pack, who you may remember as low amateur at the 2020 US Open, makes his first start as a pro, having just won the Ben Hogan Award for the best US collegiate golfer. And it is obviously the last tournament before the US Open. So a lot of people trying to find a bit of form here. Anyone you think is in good form and has a good chance this week? Yeah, a bit of an odd event, isn't it? I don't think we know much about the course or anything, but yeah, it's a good chance for guys to, to make form. Yeah, you've, you've got like Ian Poulter, actually. Tied third at Colonial in his last start, I think. Um, was great to see him up there. Uh, obviously, it's a Ryder Cup year, and we were saying that he's going to be on the team. And it's um, been a while since he's won a stroke play title. I think it was that Houston Open win, wasn't it, in 2018 when he last won. So uh, definitely still got the game, showed it at Colonial a couple of weeks ago. So this could be made for him. I think I tipped him that week as well. I think at about 100 to 1, just to note that. Yeah, uh, I, I had him as well. I think I won like 180 quid. Boom. 
back of the net. Yeah, and uh, I think well, I think Poulter's definitely he's fancied by a lot of people. Without giving too much away, uh, our tips to Jeremy Chapman has tipped in Poulter, but you can see all the other people that he's picked. A couple of very good uh, picks in there. I really like them on the Golf Monthly website golfmonthly.com of course do check us out on social media as well at golf monthly on twitter and instagram and golf monthly magazine on facebook anyone else catch your eye uh tommy fleetwood's been a bit quiet so we could see him pick up his first win in america um excited to hear from brooks kepka let alone see him play because yeah we had the shambo last week and, and now we're going to hear from brooks kepka this time out about their their little pantomime scrap so <laughs> should be good to hear from him yeah it'd be seeing uh, interesting to know if he's giving out any more beer to anybody um i do feel a bit like bryce is getting a bit bullied by people so i think yeah i think i hope that they bury the hatchet sooner rather than later oh, i don't right? think bryson cares mm, i think he's got thick skin and, and it's just sort of making fun of it himself to be honest yeah i know but he was getting people to get he was getting people taken off the course, though, wasn't he, last weekend? They were shouting out, go Brooksy, or whatever they were saying. So, um, yeah, I think we'll have to have a... We'll keep a close eye on that. It's definitely interesting, isn't it? Um, although it is a little bit childish, I feel. Yeah, it looks like a good uh, a good, a good, good field, actually. And I think your pick of Fleetwood's an interesting one, because Fleetwood definitely does need to have a good couple of weeks, because uh, I feel like he's gone a little bit off the boil, and we want to see him back up there challenging for majors and the like so i think he, he needs a good week and uh hatton and fitzpatrick i think we should both mention then we're just going to mention all the brits um both very very solid golfers both got exceptional short games and um if they can get up there and in the running i think they're gonna be you know be straight up there it's going to be interesting ahead of the us open what people's thoughts are how the us open is going to look like you know how tough is toy pines going to play can Bryce and destroy it with the driver and things like that. So um, we'll we'll have to see how people's uh, games are ahead of Tory Pines next week. We also have a, another event, which is a completely different kind of event. The Scandinavian Mixed. Um, Annika Sorstrom and Henrik Stenson host the brand new Scandinavian Mixed this week in Sweden, featuring 78 men and 78 ladies competing against each other. Both Sorstrom and Stenson are teeing up in the event as well. And the prize fund is a million euros, which is quite small. But this is going to be something different, isn't it? Yeah, and that, that prize fund is quite small for the for the men, but it's not for the women. It's actually quite a big one. So all for this event. It's been talked about for, for years, it seems like. And unfortunately, it had to be cancelled last year in its inaugural year. So it's great to see it come round. Um, should be good to see Sorrent Stampone again. She dusted off the competitive rust a couple of months ago and, and made the cut in the States. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see her, I don't know, maybe top 10, top 20 in a, in a home country. She should be quite comfortable and she's still a great golfer. So great to see her playing and just, yeah, fantastic to see that the men and ladies compete together uh, for, for one prize fund and one trophy. And I think that's a very good point because we don't, really know how this is going to go do we and we also think we don't really know if the tournament organizers know exactly how this is going to go either do they and there's some quite juicy odds out there because if it suddenly works out that the women have a huge advantage of it then there's some very long odds out there some of them is 500 to one what for example yep uh that's worth a pound each way, isn't it? Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think you look look at the each way betting as well. I mean, it could be we could be completely wrong. They could get it wrong the other way. But there's some there's some quite decent golfers who are very very long odds. I'm just going to mention a few here: Carly Booth, a thousand to one, for example. Amy Bolden, very good golfer, yeah. Yeah, a thousand to one. You know, I think there's some uh, there's some interesting uh, odds here, and the bookies could could have got this completely wrong. So uh, I reckon I'm going to bet on pretty much 72 of the female golfers and hope that one of them makes it. But uh, yeah, it should be really up. You know, it's a it's a great opportunity, isn't it? As you say, you know, it's not the biggest prize pool for the men, but it's a it's a big prize pool for the women. And um, uh, I hope it's just entertaining golf. It'd be really good to have a battle, you know, on the on the final round and have a few men and a few women uh, who are really competing and uh, have got a chance, wouldn't it? That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. I, I'm definitely cheering on the women this week. It'd be great to see a, a woman win this event. Yeah, looking at those odds, you, you're, you're right. I think one of the lowest would have to be Annabelle Dimmock, ridiculously, who was, uh, I think, second last week at the Evian uh, Resort in the, the Jabra Open. Um, Gabrielle Cowley as well, who's uh, basically wins every week on the ladies, um, on the Rose Ladies series, sorry. Uh, Alice Houston as well. I think she uh, lost in the playoff last time out of the Berkshire. So, um, yeah, definitely a, a few women in good form. And I think we have to mention Scott Hemd, who is 140 to 1, and he has his own clothes and his own clubs this week after shopping in Uniqlo the night before the event when uh, his bag got lost in uh, Denmark, I think. So, yeah, if anybody was following Scott Hen's Twitter account last week, he would have uh, had a lot of entertainment. Scott Hend is just the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? Uh, he's very entertaining on social media. And he, well, he's obviously having a bit of a shocker last week where he had no clothes, no clubs at some point. And he was having to, I think he had to dash just before the shop shut uh, <laughs> because it was so late. And oh, it sounded like an absolute nightmare. And um, yeah, I think he did very well to uh, to tear up. I don't actually know how well he did. How did, how did he do? Do we know? I think he shot... 78 in the first round or something so I, I can't imagine he made the cut he did not make the cut unfortunately he, he was an mc he shot 79 76 so um some work to do but hopefully you'll be in a better place this this uh week and um yeah he'll actually have his own equipment as uh as planned as it were so next week we've got a big week it's the us open preview the third major of the year men's major of the year uh, we've been playing at Toy Pines, so next week will be a preview uh, of that. We'll also be, of course, looking back on uh, this weekend's events and seeing if we were right to mention about 400 of the women who are playing and seeing if any of them uh, managed to get a top 10 or something like that or even win it at Scandinavian Mix. So it'll be interested to see what happens. Elliot, you're not you're not going out, going away this weekend, are you? No, I've got... My first medal of the season, actually, on Saturday, and my first sort of medal, I can't even remember when the last time I played one, probably the club championships last year. So, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good, actually. So, hopefully, oh, yeah. I'll have some positive news for you. Positive Heath. That's always dangerous. That usually means that you're going to bogey the last three holes or something and miss miss something or other. But, no, well, that's good. Stay positive. That's what we want to hear. It'd be great to hear if you're a medal triumph, Elliot. <laughs> Also, don't forget, the Euros are starting this weekend, so uh, there's all kinds of stuff happening. I think England are playing on Sunday as well, aren't they? So it's going to be a busy old time, so uh, don't forget the golf. Check it out. It should be really good fun. And, uh, yeah, we'll find out to see uh, if Elliot managed to break 80 or not at the medal next week. And until then, we'll speak to you there.